Our scripture reading this morning is from the 119th Psalm, verses 89 through 105. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth, and it stands fast. By your appointment, they stand this day, for all things are your servants. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. I am yours. Save me, for I have sought your precepts. The wicked lie in wait to destroy me, but I consider your testimonies. I have set a limit. I have seen a limit to all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Megan, for that beautiful reading. Felt like I was listening to someone read who had really lived out the truth and reality of those verses. And thank you all for being here on this Memorial Day weekend when we remember the lives of those uh, who have uh, sacrificed all to help preserve the freedoms that we enjoy in our nation. I want to also say congratulations to those uh, high school students who have already graduated. That's some high schools in our area. More to come. And also to the uh, college graduates here. I know we have a few of those in our church as well, so congratulations to you all. I do want to take just a moment now for us to uh, pray for our nation with gratitude for the freedoms we enjoy, but also with uh, humility before the God who alone can uh, lead our nation in uh, ways that please Him and keep us in His divine care. So would you join me as we pray? I'm going to ask that you just take a, take a moment to pray silently or with the person seated next to you for our nation, and then I'll close this in just a moment. Father, on this weekend when we remember those who've given their lives in the service of our nation, we want to thank you for the freedoms that we enjoy. We are so grateful that we can worship you without fear of imprisonment or persecution. And yet, Lord, we recognize we have many needs in our nation. 
We see the political divisiveness. We see the challenges uh, both within our nation and from outside. And we pray for your mercy. We pray for your forgiveness and for your guidance for our leaders. You've said that righteousness exalts a nation. And we pray, Lord, that your righteousness would be increasingly seen, lived out in the United States of America. Guide us, Lord, we pray. And now as we open your word, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you again for being here on Memorial Day weekend. We are between series in our uh, messages here on Sunday morning. Next Sunday, we'll be beginning a short summer series on the New Testament books of 1st and 2nd Timothy. But today, I'd like to speak of something that I think will actually provide background to 1st and 2nd Timothy to a significant degree, but it's a topic that I think is particularly important, and that is why we need the Old Testament. The impetus for this, in part, comes from an article I read several days ago. Uh, the article was about a, a popular, very popular uh, megachurch pastor in the U.S. and some comments he made related to the Old Testament. I was surprised to see the article because it's someone I've listened to before and I know people who, who listen to this person. And so I went and listened to the message, most of it, and I shared some concerns. I went back and listened to it in its entirely increasingly felt some concerns because this person, it seemed to me, was taking a very dismissive attitude toward the Old Testament and its value and application for us as, as believers today, even saying that Christians needed to unhitch from the Old Testament. Throughout the history of the Christian church, there have been people who felt like there's no way the Old Testament could fit with the new. I remember someone saying to me emphatically, the God of the Old Testament is not the God of the New Testament. Now this idea is as old as the Christian faith. In the early years of Christianity, there was a man by the name of Marcion. He was uh, widely recognized in the church, said he believed in Jesus, Jesus was his savior. And in about 144 A.D., he put forth his thoughts, his ideas. He was unable to reconcile the God of the Old Testament with the God of the New, so he put forth what he believed were the inspired scriptures, leaving out all of the, old, the Hebrew Old Testament and a good bit of the New Testament, because much of our New Testament quotes from the Old and this has been a recurring issue throughout the history of the church. People have wondered, how does the God of the Old Testament fit with the New? I sometimes hear people say, the God of the Old Testament is a God of wrath and judgment. The God of the New Testament is a God of love. When I hear that, I wonder how carefully they have read the Old and the New Testament. Because there's a great deal in the Old Testament about God being one who is gracious, long-suffering, merciful and compassionate. And if you're not aware of that, just read the book of Psalms. There's a great deal in the New Testament about God's judgment and his wrath, even from the lips of Jesus. The fact is the Bible is a unified whole. The 66 books 
from Genesis to Revelation. 39 in the old, 29 in the new. Fit together like the pieces of a beautifully designed puzzle. And rather than dismissing any relevance to the Old Testament, as I felt one preacher was doing, we need to understand it. We need to understand how it fits. We need to understand the continuity of God's plan from the beginning to the end. We need to understand how Jesus fulfills prophecies of the Old Testament, sacrifices in the Old Testament. And we need to understand what relevance the Old Testament has for our lives today. And I'd like to take a few minutes this morning to speak about some reasons I think the Old Testament is valuable for us. An early Christian theologian, several uh, few centuries beyond Jesus, named Augustine, sometimes remembered as St. Augustine, was famous for having said this about the Old and New Testaments. He said, the old is in the new revealed, and the new is in the old concealed. Let me ask you to think about something this morning. Do you think it would be possible to present the gospel? And when, when we say gospel here, we're talking about what Jesus did in his death on the cross to pay for our sins, to bear our judgment in his resurrection, to give us eternal life. Do you think it would be possible to present the gospel from the Old Testament? Isn't that what the Apostle Paul and Peter and the other disciples did? If you read through the book of Acts, you'll see them talking about how Jesus fulfilled Old Testament prophecies, predictions. The gospel of Jesus is indeed in the Old Testament, but we need the eyes of the Holy Spirit to see it and understand it. Let's see what Jesus himself said about this. On the screen, you'll see some verses from Luke chapter 24. Jesus had been crucified, risen from the dead. And some of his followers who were walking on the road to Emmaus and the risen Lord Jesus Christ joined them there in their conversation. Toward the end of the conversation, he says to them, O oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And notice these words, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now, when the New Testament talks about Moses, the writings of Moses, it's referring to passages like uh, the, the books of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, books that we believe were written by Moses. Jesus goes on in that conversation, uh, not that conversation, but that chapter later, speaking to his followers, he says this, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me, he's talking about that which is written about him, Jesus, everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. 
This isn't the only time Jesus said that the truths about what he would do were found in the Old Testament in the Gospel of John, chapter 5. He's talking to the Jews and he says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, but it is they, and of course the only scriptures they had were what we call the Old Testament. It's they that bear witness to me. If you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. The gospel in the Old Testament. I want to share this morning what I believe are seven reasons that the Old Testament is so important to us as Christians and to a full understanding of the plan and purpose of God and a real appreciation for what God does for us in the gospel. We don't need to do as some do and say, forget the Old Testament. It'll only confuse you. Just look at Jesus and his resurrection from the dead. That's all you need to think about. God has chosen to give us 66 books in the Bible, all inspired by him, all profitable for teaching us, for guiding us, for equipping and preparing us. There are far more reasons we need the Old Testament than the few that I will briefly give you here, but here are a few reasons I think we need the Old Testament. Number one, the Old Testament reveals God as our creator who desires fellowship with his people. This is foundational to understanding that God's the creator of all things. God's the creator of humanity. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And as the Bible unfolds, we see God walking with Adam and Eve in the garden in the cool of the day because God's desire was for a people. If we fast forward to the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, we'll see this as God's plan is, is coming to fullness. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. We understand this is God's desire for his people. And his way of bringing a people to himself unfolds throughout the entirety of scripture. But something happened to mar that fellowship with God in the very beginning. And that had to do with the sin of humanity. The Old Testament shows us the effects of human sin and how it affected and infected the human race. In the garden, God commands Adam and Eve, you can eat of any tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day you eat of it, you will surely die. And of course, if you've read the Old Testament, they ate that forbidden fruit. They didn't die physically, not for a long time. They had children after this. Spiritually, they died. Sin entered the human race, and it immediately began to infect the human race. As we see by Genesis chapter 6, the results of sin, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. One of the greatest struggles people have with the Old Testament, and we've, I suspect all had this struggle, we read through the Old Testament, 
and we see bloodshed. We see people destroying one another. And we go, why? Why is God allowing this sort of thing to happen? Ultimately, I think we can bring it all back to human sin, the sin of humanity, which has affected and infected the human race. We need the Old Testament to understand sin, the origins of sin, and the way it affects humanity. Thirdly, the Old Testament law reveals God's holiness and our need for His saving grace. Let me stress this as strongly as I can. Without an understanding of the nature of God as being infinitely holy, and yes, infinitely loving, without an understanding of His nature and His holiness, we really cannot appreciate the gospel of Jesus. The Apostle Paul in the book of Romans makes strong note of the fact that we're not accepted by God by keeping His laws. We, we can't keep them perfectly. No one does. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. None is righteous. No, not one. And it's the law that shows us that. But we need the law to show us that. For example, Paul says, uh, is the law sin? By no means. If it had not been for the law, I wouldn't have known sin. For I would not know what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. The, the effect of the commandment, thou shalt not covet, is to shine a spotlight on my sin, so I realize I do covet. It's a sin, and I need God's grace. I need His mercy. He elsewhere says the law serves as our guardian, like a, a schoolmaster, some versions read, to prepare us for the gospel, to bring us to Christ, until Christ came that we may be justified by faith. So the law shows fulfills a very important purpose. That's why parents, I think it's really important you teach your children the Ten Commandments along with other key parts of the Old Testament. Suppose you come to a friend who has no knowledge of the Bible, Old or New Testament, and you share with your friend, I got some good news for you. I got the greatest news in the world for you. Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins. And this person has no background knowledge of Scripture, of Old Testament. You know what this person is likely to say? So what? Why did I need somebody to die for me? I'm a good person. But if this person has been familiarized with the law of God, the nature of God, the holiness of our Creator, and His commands that shall not murder, shall not commit adultery, shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, your neighbor's wife, anything that belongs to your neighbor. This law serves to prepare us for the gospel. It's of great value. The Old Testament sacrifices further point us to the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. In the Old Testament, God had said, the soul that sins, it shall die. The book of Leviticus, he says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I've given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. The, when you see the word atonement, some suggest a good way to remember it is at one month, uh, God enabling us to 
to uh, God working among us, covering our sins so that he could be with his people. He could dwell with his people. Rather than calling for human life and the shedding of human blood in light of sin, he mercifully in the Old Testament allowed humans to sacrifice an animal. Now that may seem like a terrible thing, but it shows the reality of sin and the seriousness of sin. And it points to one final sacrifice, the blood of Jesus that would be shed on the cross, as we see in Hebrews chapter 9. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh... How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without blemish to God, purify your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? No, we do not need to sacrifice animals anymore. Jesus, the Lamb of God, is the one and only, the final sacrifice. And the Old Testament sacrifices point us to Christ. Jesus liberates us from the condemnation and judgment for our sins so that we can know and love and serve God. The Old Testament prophets predicted this. They predicted the coming and work of Christ. I think if there were one chapter in the Old Testament that presents the, the message of Jesus' work on the cross more thoroughly than any other chapter, I think it's Isaiah chapter 53. It's remarkable when you think about the fact that Isaiah lived roughly 700 years before Christ came. And he writes of the Messiah who would come, that he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the, the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds were healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. Everyone, we've turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before it shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Jesus. The words of John the Baptist when he saw Jesus coming said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's the Old Testament prophets that taught this to John the Baptist, though that he recognized who Jesus was and what he would do. What about the Ten Commandments? The preacher I heard last week was somewhat dismissive of the Ten Commandments, making note that we Christians, don't, we don't, we're not bound by the Ten Commandments. We don't need the Ten Commandments. All we need is love. All we need to do is treat others as God treats us. Now, the Bible certainly does say that Love leads to the fulfillment of the law, but it's the Ten Commandments that teach us how to love God and love one another. Suppose all a person hears about the gospel is this. All you got to do, don't need to worry about Ten Commandments, any, anything else. All you got to do is love. All you got to do is love one another. And this person knows nothing about the nature of God's love. This person may well say, okay, I'm, I'm married but I, I don't feel love for my spouse anymore. I feel love for this person. And if love's my guiding light, I, I'm going to go with that. The Apostle John said, this is the love of God that we obey His commandments. 
I'm not talking about obeying the Ten Commandments to earn our right place with God, but because we love God and we have the love of God in our hearts, God enables us to fulfill His commandments by loving one another. So that what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 13 is true. All the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. But the Ten Commandments teach us how to love God, how to love our neighbor, how that love is to be expressed and lived out. Now we could go on and on with other vital reasons, purposes for the Old Testament, functions it serves for us as believers. For example, the book of Psalms teaches us how to worship and pray. In fact, the book of Psalms is the go-to book of the Bible for worship, for praise, for prayer. Throughout the history of the church, the Psalms have really been, to a large degree, the hymn book of the church. What about the book of Proverbs? It's really the book of wisdom in the Bible. That's in the Old Testament. What about the mandate that's really at the heart of our church here? Missions to the world. Did you know that the missions mandate of the Bible begins in the Old Testament? Many people believe it starts with Abraham. When God says to Abraham that, that through you, through your offspring, all the nations of the world will be blessed. And throughout the rest of the Old Testament, we read a great deal about the nations of the world. As you read the book of Psalms, you, you, you read that God blesses us, that all the ends of the earth may fear him. And then we get to Jesus, and he says, take this gospel to all people, to all the nations. We get to the book of Revelation, and around God's throne are people from every tribe and tongue and language and nation. It starts in the Old. The old is in the new revealed, the new is in the old concealed. The Bible is a unified whole. Our approach should never be dismiss the Old Testament. Forget it. There's too much stuff there that's too hard to understand. Don't treat it like you're embarrassed about it. Understand it. Understand how it fits together. Are we bound by the laws of the Old Testament? Do we need to do those to get to heaven? Of course not. By grace you're saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, even good religious works. Many Bible commentators throughout time have, have kind of categorized the things in the Old Testament and and pointed out that there are civil laws, laws in the Old Testament that applied to the nation of Israel. There are ceremonial laws that have to do with temple worship and sacrifices. And then there's moral laws, such as that expressed in the Ten Commandments. Most of these writers will say that we are not under obligation for, to fulfill the civil or ceremonial laws. Christ fulfilled these sacrificial laws in his death on the cross. Christ fulfilled the prophecies of the prophets. But we need the moral law to guide us. And we need the teaching of the Old Testament to reveal our need for the gospel 
and the fullness of the plan of God. Now, to someone who's never read the Bible at all, I would suggest this. I would suggest that you read the New Testament first, before the Old. That you read and study the Old Testament in light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because I do believe that we need the illumination of the Holy Spirit to understand and see how it all fits together. So I do encourage starting with the New Testament. I want to recommend a few resources to you for further study on this. Because let's face it, every one of us who read through the Old Testament has encountered things we don't understand. I'm reading the Old Testament and the New simultaneously in the, the Bible plan I have right now. Takes you through the Old Testament once and the New Testament twice in a, in a year. So every day I'm reading a little bit of the, the Old Testament and just finished the book of Numbers. And you know what? There are a lot of things in there I don't really understand. I want to go, why did God tell the people to do that? I mean, that, it just seems strange. I don't understand it. But our approach should never be to say that can't be inspired by God. But to say this is the word of God. Jesus treated all scripture as the authoritative inspired word of God. The Apostle Paul said all scripture, and he was speaking at that time of the Old Testament, is inspired by God and profitable for teaching. The approach is to seek a greater understanding, not to dismiss it. Granted, there are parts of it that are challenging, but there are answers to those hard questions. Don't dismiss the Old Testament. When I come across challenging issues, either in the Bible or just controversial issues in our culture, two of the sources I like to go to are, uh, are articles by John Piper or Sam Storms. I consider them both outstanding biblical scholars, and they both have dozens and dozens and dozens of articles. And Sam Storms' website, they're categorized by topic. It has hundreds of articles that I think are good. Jesus on Every Page is a book by David Murray. And it's a book that looks at how Jesus is found in the Old Testament books. Uh, really interesting book to read. And for some of the, the really challenging things in the Old Testament, I like the books by Walter Kaiser, uh, an Old Testament scholar. Hard Sayings of the Old Testament. He has a follow-up book, More Hard Sayings of the Old Testament. And he'll take some of these things that may uh, appear at first as contradictions or things just, just tough, difficult to understand. And I find it helpful to, uh, to see what others have written about some of these challenging issues. I'll stop here for now, but this, this topic will kind of lead us into 1 Timothy chapter 1 next week, where the Apostle Paul begins to talk about the role of the law of God. Let's pray about that this morning, though. Father, so we're before you in the name of our Lord Jesus. We acknowledge 
I acknowledge these are challenging things, and Lord, if I have taught any of it wrongly, I pray you would overrule that in the hearts of your people and guide them accurately regarding your truth. Help us, Father, to love, learn, and live all of your word, even those parts of the Old Testament that we find challenging to understand. Lord, the way you gave the Holy Spirit to your disciples that they might understand the scriptures. Would you do the same work in us? Would you lead us by your Holy Spirit such that we understand the scriptures more fully and love them more deeply? Work in us, we pray, in the holy name of Jesus. Amen.